This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovic. I love Billy. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Happy Monday to all our listeners out there. This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. I'm Jake Bachman. He is Husker Hall of Famer, longtime NBA vet Eric Strickland. And, man, was it a good weekend of basketball, at least the first few days, to be honest. Uh, the lead eight kind of dropped off a little bit there. But we'll talk plenty about that. Uh, a couple things going on uh, in the world of sports outside of that, too. So, uh, obviously, stay tuned. We'll get this thing rolling. Strick, how'd your weekend go? Great weekend. Productive. Um it was a wild one. Uh, we got to see some good things happen on the NCAA tournament. The Cinderella season ended. Um, it was midnight, and you know, yeah. she had the the pumpkin changed on her. You know, <laughs> so she she wasn't able to make it all the way through. But hey, uh, it, I'm sure they enjoyed the ride. I think what happened in that particular game, which we'll talk about more reactions, is just some things um just got away from them and it started pretty early and we'll we'll talk more about that but that was it was good to see i mean you know some of the teams that played really well um still a lot of stuff going on you know like baker mayfield and can't find a home right now you've got so many mid-level quarterbacks that are finding a place it's got to be something deeper with that i mean we can explore that another time but i found that to be pretty interesting the weekend was fun though I got to go down to Tampa a little bit, hang out a little, uh, you know, at Hard Rock a Casino and it's chilled out for a little weekend nice. to refresh and decompress and blow it out and woosah. Yeah, there you so go. That's cool. <laughs> uh, have, you, have you been to Tampa uh, plenty of times before? Is that a good hangout spot for you or is this uh, kind of outside the norm? Well, um, I think I've been now probably about four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've done something different every time I've gone. So it's, it's just kind of exploring different parts of, you know, because you can go west uh, from Orlando and be there in a little over an hour, 20 minutes, yeah. depending on traffic. Uh, you can go east and be at the beach in about 45 minutes, Daytona, another 45, 50 minutes. So it, it's it's pretty cool if you want to kind of dip and go either way. Miami, about three hours. Um so yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's different. Sometimes I have to go down in Florida and, and uh, explore because I've only been to Orlando, yeah. uh, and there's a lot to do there. As opposed to Lincoln, where it's like, well, Omaha is an hour that way, <laughs> and then anything else is three hours to get anywhere. And then yeah, you know, you're lucky if that. I, I think what I found that was pretty interesting was that like they have natural springs, so in the summertime you can go to these natural springs and just kind of you know oh, yeah. get in, hang out, get on a little boat ride you know lay on a floaty and the water's not absolutely warm but it, it's a natural spring i mean it's it's pretty cool man the, the people get out there and enjoy the time picnic throw some you know some uh, uh some food out and just have a good time it's pretty cool you know bike riding you atv ride horse ra- riding 
get down to the glades, get on one of the airboats. I mean, it's, it's some it's some interesting stuff that you can do down here. It's pretty yeah, cool. yeah. I'll have to I'll have to make another trip down to Florida here at, at some point. <laughs> uh, it's always a good uh, good goal, and it's good to have some goals and some uh, you know vacation that you put down the line, so you have something to look forward to as you grind it out. Um, but in any case, uh, let's get into some of the sports talk. The Husker defensive staff talked with uh, the reporters today, uh, and uh, I'm not going to break down necessarily each and every quote that they had, but I do want to say um, just kind of round up what they were saying, which is they they did their second um, tackle to the ground scrimmage uh, this past weekend on Friday, I believe, and um, it sounded like things at least you know from the defensive side they feel like you know sometimes the offense is getting the better of it, sometimes the defense is getting the better. Things to be expected here at the spring, a lot of guys out, that sort of thing. Um, but they were they did emphasize that the, they they need the tackling to be. Uh, significantly better than what it was. And, and, and I guess the good news out of that is that um, they also specifically mentioned, I think Shenander did, the uh, running backs are giving them a good look. So if you're kind of looking on the opposite side, that, that sounds good. You don't want to hear that the defense is just dominating the offense or you know kind of one way or the other there. Um, is, is the fact that they're open with the tackling need to get better, is that a, is that a public statement um, to try to encourage them, do you think? Or is he just kind of being flat out honest that, um, you know, it's, it's not where it needs to be? Well, it sounded to me that he was being pretty honest, just just pretty honest, and then also pretty understanding in yeah. that, you know, this is the second time they're doing a lot of touch work, a lot of not full takedowns, a little bit of clacking. Uh, but for the most part, they haven't really done full out uh, get after you, but a couple times. And so it's still early. But it's it's something to work off of. It's also something to be able to evaluate off of, right? Who 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 is willing to go in there? They're doing head positioning. They're doing uh, where your eyes are. They're doing, you know, are you gang tackling? Are you are you are you merging towards the ball? Uh, are you getting off blocks? I think that was one of the things that I heard about the defensive line and the offensive line. It said it was it was like a tug of war. It was it was a back and forth thing. Sometimes the defense got the best of them. The offense then you know, make a couple of mistakes, rebound, then get the most of the, the defensive line. Um, I think one of the things he wants to see from the defensive line a little bit more is just some separation. Want to be able to get on and off, uh, get off the, the blocks a little bit more, get some separation, uh, clear some space, get up in the gaps pretty quick. Um, so those are some of the things that that you saw. You know, obviously Masai, he's had the longest tenure uh, in the system. So he's 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 really close, uh, Shenanders thinks, and uh, – uh, Ruquan and, and Marcus Black, he's seeing a lot of good things out of some of them. And, and then also the walk-ons, um, you know, one, one, one of them and Jacob Herbeck is, is also getting some, he's listed as a tight end, but they're, they're trying to see if they can move him over and give him some work as well. So uh, the, he, he, the one thing is good though, he feels that he's comfortable. He's comfortable with the players he's got. Obviously, if you can add some additional pieces or something, that's a breakout type of guy that, that they would be open to having that as well. And then having some of the injuries still not not in full strength on the offensive line, you know, it seems to be that he's pretty happy with what he's seen. Yeah, and it's just fascinating because they did too talk about the the defensive line up front and how important and that's going to be. Talking about how that you know that's important at any level of football if you're going to have a, a really yeah. good defense. Um, and you know, th- there are certainly questions there. There's still, uh, I think, maybe an expectation to add out of the portal. Maybe after the spring, if guys kind of leave and come and go, you know, from different organizations. I know that still the team 
TCU transfer is still out there as far as a pass rusher, but I, I think there is an idea to add to that group. Um, and you know, it, it's a, it's, it's, a, you know, there's a few guys that you have confidence in, but you got to remember too, you know, some of the younger guys like a, like a Marquise Black, like you know, they're bringing him along, but you know, it's the defensive line. I know, and especially in the year where you don't know who's had their COVID year or not, it kind of gets uh, to be uh, a lot. But you know, it's not every defensive lineman or offensive lineman. I think sometimes when you see a young guy that's ready to play right away. Um, you think that that necessarily means that he has the most upside. So, you know, we've seen it from Casey Rogers and Ty Robinson, uh, but sometimes it just takes a, a kid, especially uh, coming out of high school, a few years to get Big Ten ready, to get your body Big Ten ready. So any of these guys that, you know, are redshirt freshmen, even sophomores, I know there's that extra year that kind of plays into it now, but, um, you know, they, they still got plenty ahead of them. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see because they're doing their own evaluation right now in my mind. You know, I, I think that, you know, entering the spring the idea was there might need to be an addition or two from the portal is it the same idea once you watch the spring once you see the strides that some of your players made uh you know that's kind of what they're going through now yeah absolutely i mean obviously he feels the strength of his defense right now is at the linebacker position uh with heinrich and luke reimer you know what i mean nick and and luke so he feels that's a strong strong position for them um, he wants his perimeter guys to definitely be able to step up. Obviously, that is a key component to anybody's success is how your perimeter, your nickels, your linebackers, and your defensive backs, you know, fill in and, and, and you know, their, their technique is solid, uh, especially in the run and support uh, aspects of the game. Because we know that the Big Ten is very, very good and strong in the run games where they, they're able to operate off of play action, and they like to do that a lot. You find that with Minnesota. You find that with Minnesota, you find that with Iowa, you find that with Wisconsin um, and Michigan. Those teams are really strong in those specific areas, even Michigan State. And so that's where he really wants to emphasize on on the tackling as a premium and and definitely um, surging towards the ball. Uh, But he feels that those those nickels and those linebackers and defensive backs, it's going to. Uh, if they're sound in their technique, then they'll they'll have a good uh, good go at it on the defensive side. Yeah, and they're still uh, looking for who that nickel is going to be. They're giving you know, like you said, uh, a few guys look there. Um, you know, you know, Isaac Gifford is uh, fine tuning his assignment. Chandler said, um, you know, they've got some, Chris Kalarovic has is kind of got some press this uh, this you know this uh, this this camp, and uh, he's still kind of trying to make that transition. And it's kind of interesting to see what he ends up doing. I mean, if he's, if he is that guy that, you know, is, um, can play that sort of position that can be used somewhat in coverage quite a bit. And then also, you know, running downhill at the, at the running backs, um, they're going to find it some way to get him on the field. And that's, I think is what it's kind of all about because those two, you know, basically the linebacker spots are taken. I mean, it would be hard to see, um, any of those guys losing their job outside of somebody really stepping up. So if you have a lot of depth there or you have a guy that you feel like is starter material, I think that's why they're giving this whole thing a try. But I also think that there's a possibility they come out of it and maybe their nickel package doesn't include a hybrid linebacker. Maybe it's a traditional cornerback once yeah, again. Safety. Yeah, yeah bigger where, safety. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is, you know, which is the way that most teams do it if you don't have that versatile of a weapon. Um, so that's going to be really fun to see how that plays out and be something I'm sure a lot of people are going to keep an eye on for the spring game. I want to ask you this, though, because overall, um, you know, this is kind of the, the, the micro discussion about today. 
Um, but just going bigger picture, I think the defense is getting a little bit uh, overlooked or a lack of coverage just because the offense is so interesting with the new offense coordinator, all the changes they made, new quarterback, all that stuff. Um, but the defense, I don't think it should be taken for granted that it will be as good as it was last year. You've lost, uh, you know, basically if you include JoJo, four starters in the secondary, a lot of key pieces on that front line. Like we said, the linebacker core comes intact. I think there's enough pieces there that you don't feel like a huge drop-off is coming, right? I mean, you, you've got, uh, you've got you, you know, some starters there, some guys like Ty Robinson, uh, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich. I mean, there's names there that you feel comfortable with, but um, now as they go from last year's defense, which the numbers weren't always great, but they played one of the top schedules in the nation, um, to this year's numbers, do you expect them to, to improve on those numbers because they're playing a lesser competition, or do you think that it's going to be hard to match the talent level of last year's defense? Well, I, I think the talent level does um, in some instances hurt, but it just depends on the work ethic of the team. But it also provides room for them to do it by committee. Um, I think that's when Nebraska's defenses, when they did have good black shirt defenses, were, were tremendous is when they – they did it by committee. They were able to rotate guys in and guys were really on top of their stuff. It's when you have breakdowns in the defense, right? When you're not in your lanes, when you're not, uh, when, when you're trying to cheat the assignment, uh, when, when you're supposed to hit a specific gap and you think you can beat it this way, that's what opens up opportunities. I think if they just operate with discipline and they, and they do the things that they're supposed to, if you're at the edge, if you hold down the edge and and you don't get get caught biting down where you're allowing some you know a quarterback to sneak out behind you. All of those things, I think, if they operate with with sound principles on their defensive schemes, I think that that would be better for them because I think they'll have enough pieces and enough weapons to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I think they do. I think the talent will be there. It's, it's interesting too because you can even go. You know, there's a lot of defenses that you know it's it's college football. You lose. Uh, talent year in and year out. Um, but even going to last year's Georgia defense, which was highly regarded as one of the best of all time until they played Alabama in the SEC championship game. Then obviously went came back and helped win that, that title altogether. Um, so I still think you would, would hold it in pretty high regard as far as the best defenses over the last you know, 15, 20 years, whatever. Um, I, I remember hearing quite a bit about how they were less talented than the previous season, but they were a better defense, um, maybe mm -hmm. probably because they were the buy-in and, the, and just the ability, you know, the longer time that those guys that did stick around played together. Um, and so I think that you have a, lo a lot of continuity, at least in that front seven here and there. It would have been helpful if Casey Rogers were able to stay healthy, but you've seen enough of him over the last couple of years um, between him and Ty Robinson, then all your linebacker cores there. Your front sevens um, could use some depth again at that defensive line position yeah. that, that they're trying to figure out if they have it there or they need to reach into the portal for. Um, but, you know, especially in the Big Ten, uh, I feel more comfortable with a front seven than a back seven, if, if that if that means anything to you, because obviously yeah, gonna... you don't want them getting to the back. You want you want to be yeah. able to box some stuff <laughs> down the front. Yeah. Well, just even that is you know it's it's not a passing league. There's going to be a few quarterbacks every year that you worry about when you go up against. You know, obviously Oklahoma um, is going to be worrisome if you if you have to play Ohio State, um, but even Michigan. Like I'm I'm not scared of Michigan's quarterback. Mm -hmm. 
tearing you apart and getting the win. So, I mean, there's, you know, in the Big Ten West, there's not many quarterbacks like that outside of maybe Purdue and Aiden O'Connell. You know, there's a few where you're going to, the passing game is really going to test you. Um, but if Nebraska is going to have a good defense and have a successful season, it's going to have to be good against the run. That's how it's been in the Big Ten West for quite some time uh, since the invention of the Big Ten West, I suppose, back in 2014. But the Big Ten um, for quite some time and the teams that are in it. So uh, we'll see how it goes. They've had, to, they've had to minimize, Bach. They've had to minimize big gashes. And yes, there's been times does. when teams just big gash them, you know, for two, 300 yards in, in the rush game. You just – that's so tough to overcome. I mean, it just puts so much pressure on your back end because now you got to bring – bring some more linebackers up. you got to bring safeties down. Um, if, if you're cover guys, you, if you're not getting pressure on the quarterback and then you're, you're letting your cover guys have to run out there forever, it's just a matter of time before you're going to get beat. So they've got to minimize the big gashes, the, you know, the big, you know, just you, you can, you can operate with a bend, but don't break mentality. You know what I mean? And then yeah. just lock down when you, when you shorten the field a little bit. So, I think that that's a winning strategy for them if they can maintain that. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's a, there's a long spring to go, a lot of time left too uh, to get this t- this team to improve. I'm um, already I'm already feeling a little bit of football fever. I know college basketball is still going. You're not supposed to feel that till after the Final Four, um, but you know sometimes in those spring drills you start to read the press clippings and you you know just kind of envision what's how it's all going to play together. And uh, I'm at least excited about it. I don't know, um, and that's not a, not not a small task coming off a three and nine season. So uh, kudos to Nebraska's football team and, and, and kind of the, the higher-ups for putting that together to make it at least very interesting as we get through spring practice here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on the block. When we come back, we will catch up with Steve Sippel. Uh, always a good guy to catch up for the Husker football team. We'll break down some of that. Also, the Final Four, maybe even the Oscars. We'll see if uh, Steve Sippel <laughs> checked out the Oscars last night. That comes. That's coming up next year on the block on 93.7 The Ticket.